God bless you. So, uh, first slide, thank you, guys. So, say grace to your neighbour. If you take the G away from grace, what are you left with? You are so good. Give yourselves a clap. Very good. But it makes a big difference because I would say one way you can tell the difference between religion and Christianity is the word grace and whether you're in a race or whether you've got grace. You know, one's about where you are in terms of your progress and are you at the front, are you at the back of the pack, you're measuring everything around you. That is not the gospel. That is not the gospel. That is religion. Religion's about measuring tapes. It's where our insecurities come, our deep fears, our guilt, our shame. A lot of that is reinforced by religion. Do you know that Jesus Christ came to destroy religion? Mm. And it was actually the religious authorities that reacted with the most hostility towards his message. They didn't want to know that's about grace. So next slide, thank you, because I will need to not go too deep in this. I need you to just keep moving along. So here's the gospel. Believe it or not, bad people go to heaven and good people go to hell. Now that is a somersault for some of us because you've always heard it the other way around, that good people go to heaven and that bad people go to hell. It's actually not the gospel. Because the trouble is, good people are never good enough. See, we serve a perfect God and we are all imperfect. Now, my imperfection might be more than your imperfection. It may be better than your imperfection, but God's standard is perfection. And every human being, doesn't matter how good they are, falls below God's perfect standard. Uh, Mother Teresa... She said that she was actually a wretched sinner in desperate need of a saving saviour. Now, most people would think she was pretty good. True? Mother Teresa can't get into heaven after giving her life to helping people die of pregnancy. What chance does anybody else have? So the reality, good people don't go to heaven. It's the bad people who know they're bad, who admit they're bad, that get to go to heaven. And that's good news. That is really good news. If I've got to get into the good books of God by what I have done, I'm a goner already. I've done enough sin this week to send me to lost eternity. I may not have actually done it, but I've thought it. <laughs> so bad people go where? To heaven. And good people go to hell. Next slide. Thank you. There's a great little analogy. I'm actually going to tell you the story. It's called the giving tree. And uh, But, you know, the biggest giving tree in history is actually the cross of Jesus Christ. There God came and he died upon a cross. And we may have heard that so often that it still doesn't shock us to the very core of our being. Con- consider God, infinite, immeasurable, pure, holy, righteous, you can just continue to add on the superlatives, the the adjectives to just how big, how massive God is. And that God chose while we were still sinners, 
Well, am I kidding? Was blaspheming, building up people, using violence, sleeping around, prostitution, alcoholism, all that stuff. God still loved me then. He loved me when I was away from him. He chose to die for me then. Romans 5, verse 8, while we were still sinners, God, Christ died for us. This massive God, this big God, this wonderful God chose before the foundation of this world to come to earth, to come through the birth canal into a messy stable full of manure and animal sweat to be born to die. And that God shattered forever the whole cause and effect of sin and punishment, sin and guilt, sin and shame. It's God. He broke it forever. And he didn't do that so that you and I could be nice, so that we wouldn't use bad words, so that we wouldn't use, you know, watch the wrong TV programs. He didn't do that so we would give God an hour and 10 o'clock every Sunday. He did that to radicalize the world, to transform us. It's not about religion. It's about a, a, a paradigm shift, a laser beam of truth that changes you from the core of your being out that the God of love came to earth and he died for you. You know, you stop and you ask someone, do you know God loves you? They've been going to church a few years. I was like, yeah, 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 I know that. Of course he does. And you know, they're small-minded, they're fickle, they're bitter, they're twisted, they don't read the Bibles, they don't pray. And they say, yeah, God loves me. Do you have any sense of the disconnect with that, the dissonance, the fact it's not doable, if you really know how much God loves you, it will totally transform who you are. Totally transform. Otherwise, you're going to be earning God's love. You know, I'm going to work some more. I'm going to pray some more. I'm going to read some more. It's just more. Religion's all about more. No, it's about what God has done, not what you did. Hallelujah. It's not what you did that matters. It's what God did that matters. He came. He rescued. He said, all of other religion is about, yeah, climbing the mountain and all paths lead to the top of the mountain. Christianity is God came down from the mountain to meet me in my mess, to meet me in my sin, to meet me in my loneliness and my violence because he loved me. He loved me. Uh, can we have that uh, story of the giving tree? There's a little video in there somewhere. The Giving Tree Thank you. by Shel Silverstein. Once there was a tree. And she loved a little boy. And every day the boy would come and he would gather her leaves and make them into crowns and play the king of the forest. He would climb up her trunk and swing from her branches and eat apples. And they would play hide-and-go-seek. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. And the boy loved the tree very much. 
and the tree was happy. But time went by, and the boy grew older, and the tree was often alone. Then one day, the boy came to the tree, and the tree said, Come, boy, come and climb up my trunk, and swing from my branches, and eat apples, and play in my shade, and be happy. I am too big to climb and play, said the boy. I want to buy things and have fun. I want some money. I'm sorry, said the tree, but I have no money. I only have leaves and apples. Take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city. Then you'll have money and you'll be happy. And so the boy climbed up the tree and gathered her apples and carried them away. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and the tree was sad. And then one day the boy came back and the tree shook with joy. And she said, Come boy, climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and be happy. I am too busy to climb trees, said the boy. I want a house to keep me warm, he said. I want a wife and I want children, and so I need a house. Can you give me a house? I have no house, said the tree. The forest is my house, but you may cut off my branches and build a house. Then you will be happy. And so the boy cut off her branches and carried them away to build his house and the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and when he came back, the tree was so happy she could hardly speak. Come, boy, she whispered, come and play. I am too old and sad to play, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me far away from here. Can you give me a boat? Cut down my trunk and make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. And so the boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away. And the tree was happy, but not really. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I am sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the boy. My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. I am too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. I am too tired to climb, said the boy. I'm sorry, sighed the tree. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I am just an old stump. I am sorry. I don't need very much now, said the boy, just a quiet place to sit and rest. I am very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down, sit and rest. And the boy did, and the tree was happy.
What if God just wants to be with you? Just what if God wants to be with you? Not with the person next to you or the person around you. What if God loves you so much that he wants to be with you? Not as you should be, but as you are. Because none of us will ever be what we should be. True? We will never be there. Will all the perfect people leave the building right now? doesn't matter if we live a thousand years, we'll never be. But what if God loves you now, as you are? What if he passionately was committed to you before you even knew him, before you even tried to live a life that pleases him? What if he loved you then, radically to the core? Uh, Blaise Pascal uh, the great French mathematician and inventor of calculus said that uh, God made us in his image and people have returned the favour and created God in their image. And sometimes the God that we think we serve is just a big blown up version of your worst you. Hypocritical, capricious, angry, fussy, judgmental. Maybe the God of our minds and our imaginations is actually not the God of the Bible who has shown himself to be at the core love and life, spirit. There's a trinity for you, love. God is love. God is life. God is spirit. Next slide, thank you. Here we have the images of both uh, Judas and Peter. Peter's on the right-hand side, that dark images. And there's Judas trying to give back the 30 pieces of silver. Now, this is a story of two failures, aren't they? They both blew it, didn't they? And we could work through who did the biggest blow-up, you know. Uh, yeah, Judas sold out, but maybe he had an altruistic motive. He wanted to force the hand of Jesus to show him to be the Messiah, to, to rescue the whole nation. That's a good motive, isn't it? That was the motive. He betrayed, but that was a kiss and all the rest. Peter, though... You know, he's actually told in Luke chapter 22, you know, before the sun goes down, before the rooster crows three times, you'll end up denying me. He takes an oath, God, I'll never turn my back. You know, the cross before me, the world behind me, I'm never going to fail, Lord, I'll never do that. And he takes an oath about it, fast forward only a few verses, and now he's blaspheming, he's swearing, and he's denying his God. Two failures. Yet the outcomes of these two failures are very different because Judas was sorry for what happened, but unfortunately his sorrow took him to the bad path, to that place where of uh, desperation, that place where he thought that there was no way back, where Peter was able to come to the place of change and deep repentance. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7 says that there is a godly sorrow that leads to change and there's an ungodly sorrow that destroys getting the right sorrow for our lives is so vital to making the right choices peter was able to make that right choice in luke chapter 22 verse 61 he's at the fire 
He's been accused of being a part of the Galilean crew. You know this man. No, I don't know him. Yeah, I saw him. No, it wasn't me and stuff like this. He's in the middle of spewing out denial of his Christ, denial of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus suddenly comes out and he walks across the courtyard. And verse 61 says, And Jesus looked at Peter. And at that moment, Peter remembered the words and he wept bitterly. If you come to my study, I have right in front of where my computer is a, a, um, an embroidery piece of work that my mother did based on that text. And Peter wept bitterly. But I just want to stop you for a minute there and say, when Peter's eyes looked into the eyes of Jesus, what did he see? What did he see? And right now, I'm praying the way I understand the Bible to work and the Holy Spirit to work, that you are actually getting a feedback loop now from the Holy Spirit yourself. That there's something of either a, a pulling back from what you hear or drawing into what you're hearing. There is a feedback. There's a spiritual, supernatural feedback coming to you right now. And I just want to ask you this question. If Jesus was to walk in through those doors now at the back and walk right up to you right now, and to look you in the eyes, what do you see in the eyes of Jesus? What did Peter see in the eyes of Jesus? Did he see anger, disapproval, condemnation? You're not doing enough. You do, you're a sinner, and I know you checked porn last night, and I know you cheat on your tech. Is that the conversation that your feedback loop's giving you? If it is, then I pray that today that you'll hear the gospel, the good news, because that's not what Jesus would say. Jesus would come to you and he would absolutely say, I love you. Can I make my home with you? Will you make your home with me? Can we be mates? Can we hang out? I love you infinitely, without measure. Neither depth nor height nor width can describe the love that God has for us. I am persuaded, Paul says. I am fully convinced that neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor the things above, nor the things below, not the things behind me, not the things in front of me, neither nakedness, neither sword. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that? Do we really believe? Because it will change your life. Because the gospel is about you suddenly finding out how much you are loved and out of that, your response is, I would like to please my lover. Instead of, I'm trying to earn brownie points with my ruler, it's a totally different response system. So the next slide, thank you. Grace. It's a great word. Amazing grace. You've got to have God in it. It's what God did, not what Mike did. Thank you. There's still enough. One day the police may come to get me. Someday they might fuck me out. It's not what Mike did. It's what God did. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's also radical. 
it is actually meant to be paradigm shattering. It's meant to be something that we never fully understand why the God of the universe would want to spend time with me. Why does he think there's something valuable in me? Now, with everybody else, you see, it's different because, you know, what makes me happy, I like a good computer game at Civilization on deity level where I win, I like good coffee, I like a cuddle from my wife occasionally, I like um, a good curry, I like, um, I like a good movie, if no gratuitous sex or violence, actually violence is alright, but the other bit, you know, I, the, because I perceive that there's some value in these things to make me feel better on the inside. That's not the way God does it. God says, I see nothing in you, Mike, that's worthy of loving. But because I am love, I want to love you. I just want to shower my love on you because I am love and that's all I can do. And he's sent Jesus to pay the price for sin so that sin's no longer the problem. Yeah, look, we have to get master in our lives and discipline all the rest, but sin's not the barrier anymore. The barrier is whether you'll accept your love. The A stands for acceptance. You don't have to do anything to get saved. Hallelujah. Don't have to sign a membership card. You don't have to tithe. You don't have to give up smoking. You don't have to do this. That, you don't even have to get water. To get saved, to get in a right relationship with God, you simply have to say, yes. Yes. I accept, Lord, your offer of salvation. I accept the fact that you provided forgiveness. I accept it. And of course, it is meant to be changing, life-changing, shattering, I had the privilege this year, uh, this week, this week, of meeting with uh, uh, the CEO of the Telethon WA Institute for Medical Science. Uh, this man, Nick Wood, actually uh, runs 700 scientists who are trying to invent cures for childhood leukemia. And it's an amazing thing. They're doing some incredible things. And got a tour of the hospital that they've done up there, the Children's Hospital, and they've done a fantastic job. Feels like a theme park, and if it wasn't for the kids that had no hair and tubes up their nose, you'd think you're in a really nice place. They've done a fabulous job. He was raised as a Church of Christ guy, and so well bibled. He's an intellectual. He's got double degrees. He's an accountant, chartered. He's an, a, a qualified director, etc. All that stuff. So he raised Church of Christ, and he says the only encounter he ever had with God growing up was a couple of times he felt the fear of God. You know, he really felt guilty about things in his life and that was a burden for him and he struggled with that. And he says, apart from that, I had no contact, no communication with God at all. And then on Monday, he had a revelation. The revelation was that he has a good, good father in heaven who loves him. And for some of us, that says, oh, yeah, you know, God loves you, you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so. The, his wife is frightened, scared that he's having some sort of psychotic experience. She is scared. His staff are worried he's doing mushrooms or he's helping himself to some of the scientific samples 
It's like he's been born again without being born again. He's going around telling everybody, I'm loved, I'm loved, I'm loved. I do not have to work for God's approval. I don't have to read more, work more, sweat more, try more. You know, I don't have to go, God, help me, I love you, I love you, I love you. He suddenly realizes that he is loved. Wonderful, wonderful. Total, total change. And E stands for enthusiasm. The Greek word is to be full of God and God full of you. But if you're always trying to earn God's affection, you know, God, if I just work a little bit harder, maybe you'll love me, maybe I'll experience your approval. You don't understand the gospel. God wants to come and invade our lives without you being good. And then, of course, he'll start to change you, obviously. You invite God into your house. Change will then happen. But it's simply opening up your life to God. Let me bring you back to Luke chapter 22, verse 61. If Jesus was to stand right in front of you now and you were to open up your eyes and your eyes meet him, his eyes, What do you see? You see condemnation? You see failure? Or do you see the one who'd rather die than live without you? Do you see the one who came from heaven to earth to be with you? Do you see the one who hung upon the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Do you see him who loves you, who loves you, who loves you. And all you have to do is to embrace that love and your life will never be the same again. Just take the hand of someone next to you. I've gone a little bit long. I apologize. Father, we just pray that you would just help us to live in that reality. But what you've done for Nick this week, you can do for us. Pray for that release of the grid, the bondage of religion. I've just got to be better. I've got to work harder. I've got to do, 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 do. And Lord, just know that you did it. Lord, you've done everything possible that we could come home. You are the God of extravagant love. Lord, you forgave the adulterous woman of a life sentence, Lord. You left the 99 sheep, Lord, to go find the one. Lord, you paid the, the, the labour at the end of the day, the full day's wages, Lord. Lord, you go the extra mile to find all of us. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of love and a good, good Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. We'll, we'll close on that song. God bless you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, yeah, if I could have my worship team up. I'm starting to call them my worship team now. Doing a good job. Bit of worship. Uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ in that intimate way yet, I really encourage you to think seriously about that before you go. Come have a chat with me or one of my leaders. We'd love to introduce you to the person who makes everything make sense, who is peace, who is joy, and who loves you. Who loves you. I was... Um, I left home at 14 after challenging my dad to a fight. We didn't actually fight. I only had two good moves. I'd faint with the left. And then as I, I went to duck it, I'd come across with the right. After that, I was in trouble. 
And uh, then, you know, I had this period of really bad behavior. When I first get saved, God spoke to me very clearly, go, go forgive your father. I thought, what? That? 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 Yeah, okay, we won't go there. But I, I was so young in the Lord, I just obeyed, not realizing all that happened. And fast forward a couple of years, I'm at Bible college, and uh, I'm about to preach in the chapel, which is always the scariest thing to do when you're preaching in front of your peers. And I've gone to, uh, gone to do a bit of a prayer and a walk and a talk with the Lord. It's, it's the way I do it best is in, in nature and uh, talking with God, singing to God. And I'm just worshipping. I'm singing an old song. Father in heaven, how I love you. I lift my hands in all the earth. Da, da, da. And as I just sing that, it's like God said, am I your father? And I sort of like had this revelation that I have a dad. You know, my earthly dad, yeah, there were gaps, real big gaps with him. But I have a father who's always loved me, who's never changed his mind. He knows my end and he knows my beginning and he's a good, good father. Hebrews 12 verse 7 says that God is the father of all our spirits, what's inside you, God created. What's outside of you, your mum and dad created you know, together with a few falls and scars and all the rest. Your biology comes from your natural parents, but your, your inner side, your real self, you, comes from a good, good father. He wants you to come home. He wants you to find that he is your daddy, Abba Father. Let's stand and sing this song.